Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of Cryptique. Please like, subscribe, follow, etc., but most importantly, tell a friend. Don't forget to check out Movie How. You can find it everywhere you find Cryptique. And send us case suggestions to crypticpodcast at gmail.com. I'm joined, as always, by the Ryan Express. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, you know what the Ryan Express is? Uh, oh, God, now I feel like you're setting me up for a joke. I don't... I no, it's not a joke. <laughs> no, it's not, not at all. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, they called him the Ryan Express because he See? was throwing 107 before they had speed guns out. Yeah. If you haven't heard the episode we did on lucid dreams, go back and listen to that sometime. But tonight, we have dream analyst, author, and researcher, Craig Webb. Craig is a widely traveled trainer and musical artist who's done pioneering lucid dream research at Stanford and designed peak performance devices distributed worldwide. His book, The Dreams Behind the Music, reveals little-known dreams that inspired tremendous success for over 100 famous artists and highlights principles and techniques anyone can use to harvest their own dreams for significant breakthroughs. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Jay. I would say uh, I'm a grounded dreamer, (laughs) in a couple words. Uh, I have been uh, a little bit more, uh, let's say, exploratory first person in dreams. But before that, before my explorations into, I guess, inner realms and maybe metaphysics, I was actually a very grounded physicist, a scientist, researching, studying pretty nuts and bolts stuff. (laughs) And then uh, a near drowning, a really powerful life event happened. And uh, I can go into details if you like, but let's just say, long story short, Uh, I came probably face-to-face with a really rich peace around death. Uh, And then after that, right after that, started remembering about 10 dreams a day. Out of nowhere, really. I I didn't follow dreams much before that. I wasn't against it, so I was open, but I wasn't really interested. But when all these experiences started happening, I say as a scientist, when the data started coming, (laughs) all the dreams... Mm -hmm. Uh, then I started noting and got some really clear lucid dreams, or if listeners don't know, of conscious dreams, dreams during which I knew I was dreaming with my body asleep, and then really clear and pretty specific and verifiable precognitive dreams, so dreams of the future. And then lots of other experiences that were like way outside of my physics training at the time, you know, so it sort of blew my mind in, in a positive way, I guess. Long story short, started researching more and more personally for about seven years, and then, as you mentioned, ended up at the Stanford pioneering lucid dream research. It kind of brought lucid dreaming to the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, exciting time, lots of really neat lab research, tons of media interest, and I designed a uh, device there that helps people have lucid dreams. Uh, there's many copy variations now worldwide but just something that can really help us access a pretty neat state where most of the benefits, the applications of dreams can probably be amplified or be enhanced a little bit when we're conscious in the dream. So we can speak more about that. But just to to note that I I kept my engineer, my my scientist part intact, (laughs) but I added on the whole dream exploration. I call it sort of inner worlds or maybe a subjective scientist that joined my objective scientist, something like that. 
Fair enough. Now, this kind of all started, you had a whitewater rafting incident, right? Yeah, that was the, the near drowning I mentioned about uh, in, in Canada here, where I, I live and was born. Uh, there's a really fun and great river called Jacques Cartier River near Quebec City, where I was studying. And uh, actually, a roommate, my roommate was a guide and said, hey, do you want to come on a trip this weekend? I said, great. I'd been on many trips, rafting, kayaking. In fact, any water sport, you name it, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, when I was younger, I was a top 200-meter breaststroker in Canada for my age group. So, you know, I had a lot of water experience and wasn't shy. I could swim well. But I sit on the back of the raft, which is kind of like the back of a bus. <laughs> it's right. the fun part because the, the bumps are more fun and you get wet a bit here and there. Uh, in this case, our, our raft folded up like a taco, kind of, I guess, hit a rock or, or maybe it hit some standing waves, some really s- slow white water. It's kind of rushing backwards. And uh, I don't remember too many more details other than kind of like surprise submersion. Mm-hmm. Not really time for any air to cast for air. Now, I was wearing my life jacket and helmet, which is always a good idea. I encourage anybody to stay safe. Uh, but in this case, I guess I got stuck under the raft. I remember sort of bumping into the bottom of the raft uh, once, maybe twice. And then shortly, very uh, strange, a little bit of surprise, but mostly this really rich, deep peace came over me. Hmm. And then this simple, single thought, wow, this is it. I'm, I'm dying right now. Wow, crazy. And and the surprise part was that it was peaceful and, you know, I guess from part of me was kind of surprised because I don't think logically drowning would be too thrilling, but there I was quite peaceful <laughs> and just kind of saying, wow, I guess this is it. And then uh, cut to next scene in my memory, sort of like movies do. Uh, I do remember rafting the rest of the day, but uh, I think the guide must have pulled me out. I don't actually remember, but I did start remembering up to about 10 dreams, like I mentioned and, all kinds of other unusual experiences. So I think there was a big opening there, you know. Yeah, it sounds like it. That I mean, it sounds terrifying, but I have heard other people that have had uh, NDEs with drowning that, like you mentioned, there's just kind of a point where there's acceptance, like this is it. And then yeah. you get your second chance. Hallelujah for that. That, that allowed this show to be possible. Tonight's show. <laughs> now, you said that you have worked on devices that help people to dream lucidly and that's really interesting you know this is the first that i've heard of that can you tell us a little bit about your research and and what these what these devices is that the right term that i would use devices or? sure devices fine uh, i've also sort of put out there some pretty fresh techniques which are not like physical objects okay tell us about the devices i want to hear about that yeah well our culture you know also included in me and my i guess larger self now before i was a scientist now i say one of me is a scientist or a, a <laughs> physicist because I expanded a little bit beyond just that identification. But our culture is really, uh, let's say, embedded and possibly like really beneficially so. Speaks the language of technology. Yes. And I say it's a language because really it is. You know, if you get the, the latest gizmo, the latest smartphone, the latest app, the latest whatever, social media included, etc. Uh, then it's sort of something we can really relate to. Most people, at least some of the newer generations, really like it and really mm. are on board and they've trusted. 
Uh, and these are subtle things, but they're actually really important when it comes to the realm of dreams because trust and openness and kind of intrigue, curiosity really helps. So, sure.、Uh, at Stanford, you know, in the sleep lab with electrodes and the whole paste and overnight recordings and everything, we said, how could we bring some of these pretty neat insights, the techniques, maybe some of the the statistics and things, out to a much wider audience? Not just through books, and at the time it was all sort of,、uh, I guess, like TV and actual radio. <laughs> no, no real internet then. And then、uh, we thought about it, and we said, "How about devices? How about some kind of technology that registers and really sort of has some smarts in there that notices when a person is in their dreaming sleep, a special stage of sleep? They're having, having rapid eye movements, and, and not just that, but a very specific state where they're most likely to start becoming more conscious if, if they were to." And then it gives them some kind of feedback because mostly, I mean, almost all of us sleep through our sleep. At least our waking awareness isn't there too much. So、mm-hmm. often, some kind of little cue or a trigger of some sort.、Uh, you know, it could even be your bed partner if you sleep with somebody. But in this case, we wanted something that you could just wear alone. And we came up with、uh, well, there was a few different devices, but we came up with the most effective model being a sleep mask. And、uh, you could sort of use it as just you know keep the light out kind of sleep mask. And one of the simple functions it was watching eye movements and, and still does I guess. One of the simple functions was to to wake people up with better dream recall. So after like a good REM period of eye movements, rapid eye movements,、uh, it would sort of give a little cue, maybe a buzz or a little flashing lights or something, and the person could wake up and have dream recall. But the main function was actually to try to wake up a person during a dream, while they stayed、mm-hmm. asleep. So it was an interesting. It took quite a bit of research and technical iterations to get the level right. Because if it's too strong, well, then you just get the dream recall and you wake the person up. And if it's too weak, well, they just wasted their few hundred dollars on the device and they, it won't work. But if you kind of get in this magical window of just loud enough to kind of trigger their consciousness, sometimes as an incorporation into their dream, what does that mean? Well, we probably all had that. You know, sometimes Jay in the morning, you might have、uh, sure. heard the phone ring far off, or maybe a neighbor、uh, mowing their lawn, or sometimes、uh, if you have a partner there, they're making the coffee, and you start to dream about that kind of sensory input, right? You have、mm-hmm. that. I I think that I have had. At least semi-lucid dreams, where I feel like I have kind of a choice of path A or path B, but I've never had a dream where I just am, like you said, awake and make a lot of decisions, decide what I want to do, and I just I can't imagine anything being more fun. Than、yeah. being to be awake in your dreams, right? Where the, many of the laws of physics don't apply in the same way. So you can fly, go through walls, and, and many、sure. other kind of Groundhog Day. If you saw that movie, many kind <laughs> of freedoms come. But I was just mentioning about the incorporations of physical world stimuli because that's what the the dream mask called the Nova Dreamer. <laughs> I did design that.、Uh, it uses that slight feedback, flashing lights, sounds, or other. It had an external trigger to trigger different kinds of sort of events, you know, like touch, etc. 
Uh, that would come into a dream usually as an incorporation. Let's say if you're using the flashing lights, you might see something like somebody appears in a room, they're taking flash pictures all of a sudden right in your face. Uh-huh. Uh, and in our waking life, we just kind of not really question it. But ideally, the dreamer who's wearing the device sets an intention before sleep. You know, you sort of have to use some mental smarts along with it. You can't always just rely on the gizmo, that sure. the quick fix kind of pill thing. But if they set their intention, hey, anytime I see flashing lights, or if you're using sound, anytime I hear a buzzing or a tone or my voice, I will, uh, I don't know, I'll do a reality check. In other words, maybe I'll look at my hands. Uh, which sounds kind of silly when we talk about it here on probably what's a physical world podcast because I'm checking my hands right now. But I encourage the listeners to try that. Hey, just look at both your hands. And most people, I don't want to say everybody because I know there's a few cases out there, most people have 10 fingers in, in both hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if that's not the case, then this is a dream podcast. Hello. But that <laughs> level of surprise. Uh, is often there, even still after like thousands of dream experiences where I become lucid. It's like, wow, I just thought it was like real, or I just thought it was the physical world, and I never questioned it. I just didn't even have the thought, or I didn't even wonder. But when I had something that kind of cued my awareness, you know, huh, that's weird. You know, the room lights are flickering on and off. What's that about? I just check my hands, and I go, oh my gosh, there's like 12 fingers on this hand, or yesterday, uh, Actually, a couple of days ago, I saw someone, not me, actually, another character was showing me their alien green and red hands with like eight fingers each. I was like, that's pretty darn unusual. But in the dream, I didn't go fully lucid because they were kind of alien, so I accepted it. So sometimes there's little <laughs> tricky things from the dream that sort of helps us stay asleep, really. But if we get the cue and we do some kind of test, let's say our hands, uh, sometimes we don't have hands or maybe uh, there's like Pac-Man running up your arm or something pretty unusual. It's not going to happen in waking life. That's the test and reality check that sort of bounces. The one rare moment when we like it, when our checks bounce and uh, it lets us know, hey, you know what, right now you're dreaming. And from there you can try different experiments. Hey, maybe I'll speak to a dream character, ask a question, or maybe I'll try to fly or go through the wall or a really nice one, breathe underwater or you know, sometimes uh, if, if there's some lucid dreamers out there and they want some experiment ideas, how about just ask the dream weaver, kind of inside think or just put a question kind of to yourself, but let's say a deeper self. Hey, what do I most need to know or experience right now? Which is still kind of a question, so we're guiding a little bit, but we're also allowing and leaving it open to the subconscious to really bring us something of maybe possibly huge import, which has happened for me many times when I put it that way. So think of it as you can start to guide the dream. We don't want over control. That doesn't really serve us our best interest because in waking life, we don't want to learn how to control everybody in every scenario. But we can certainly control our response and our reactions and the dreams Mm -hmm. often teach us that too. So that's kind of a good starting point. And then of course, many skills to develop how to stay in the dream, what different choices to make, how to sort of have access more to memory. Cause sometimes we have awareness that is a dream, but we don't remember our experiment. So you could say almost like certain centers of the brain aren't on or off. So lots of research there and lots of stats. We can go more in if you want, but in a nutshell, something pretty exciting. I think most people would really like. Absolutely. I think it's really cool that Stanford actually funded research like this. I understand that it's 
maybe something that some people don't believe in that you can have lucid dreams but i think it's great that stanford's like yeah let's let's investigate let's check it out that's really cool well part of that goes to those very specific people who are researching there because there was definitely some some folks from the other side of the coin who were like wait a minute awake while you're asleep that's crazy not possible i guess maybe some competition in the the different researchers hey why are they getting all the press etc so there was some of that but the main uh, possibility was there was a sleep lab where research was happening and you know students were were starting to come and so the openness at least was there to to sort of have the the results and some of the stats and the data and the interesting thing i think maybe from some of the more skeptical people who say well, well it's just somebody saying they were conscious or that they were awake in their dream how do we know the interesting thing with stanford research and also actually a few years before that by keith hearn a wonderful researcher a late researcher now in england who uh, i believe late i heard that who passed uh, who said how could i prove it because there's so many people who don't believe it out there how could i sort of more or less reliably and repeatedly prove that i'm conscious in the dream and uh, there was different hints and different ways to kind of suggest uh, the experiment they came up with but hearn said what about if in the dream i follow my dream finger you know the physical finger of our hands or his hands was just lying there beside him in bed asleep you know not moving but in the dream he sort of had these dream hands he became aware he became lucid or conscious and said wow i'm dreaming uh, and the before sleep they had a prearranged signal so sort of let's say in the case of the stanford research i'm going to do three left three right or three left right movements with my eyes very clear all the way from the left to the right stop and do it again so something that's like one in 10 billion chance just going to happen randomly and then measure the eye signals with electrodes it's called the EOG the electroocularogram and if we get a very specific clear signal of sort of three right three left pause and then other different signals that the you know the the dream explorer can do because they can tense up limbs even though the physical muscles are turned off you can see a little bit a tiny bit of muscle activity or change respiration or other things like that in other words they actually proved pretty scientifically pretty repeatedly that yes the dreamer is fully conscious and fully asleep so that actually sort of opened some of the floodgates for research that's very interesting i recently saw a video where they said that your brain is much more active when you're asleep than it is when you're awake and that that kind of floored me you know i thought no this is your time for your brain to just file away the day and get some rest but that's not the case is it well there's different stories out there so lots of them uh i don't know about more active but let's say differently active is probably a pretty accurate and improvable thing in our rem sleep uh, so it's covered it's called the paradoxical sleep because sort of that part that's very active uh the physical muscles are mostly turned off unless you have a weird disorder something like rem behavior disorder which people do act out their dreams and it's actually quite serious they don't get much sleep it's it's pretty bad but most people the muscles are turned off by a little group of neurons in the brain stem called the pons kind of like a switch that says okay turn off the muscles we're going to go into active dreaming and then sure. the brain lights up kind of like we would uh, during our activities or different events in waking life not exactly the same different some different centers and different levels of 
you know, delta, gamma, beta, different, but more or less like waking life than, let's say, some of the deeper sleep states, or even when we're sort of phasing out or daydreaming in waking life. So close, pretty close to waking life. That's why it's called paradoxical sleep. And in this case, you could register, you know, some of the actions. For example, the the eye movements were actually following what the the, the dream. There was a research study just, I think, the last few weeks that, again, proved, or I guess, strengthened the the proof that yes, the eye movements are following the dream action. So it seems pretty accurately. Uh, it might just be interesting to note the the way that the researchers came up with this idea. In this case, uh, this was Stephen LeBarish after Keith Hearn did the same. I guess, experiment. But to Stephen LeBarish's supervisor was William DeMent, perhaps not a name that's really too well known. Uh, but a, a Stanford doctor and uh, studying over there after being one of the researchers who actually discovered rapid, rapid eye movements, uh, I think back on the East Coast. So he was working with Nathaniel Kleitman and a few others and said, hey, look at the little babies. Their eye movements seem to be moving around in these very specific periods and so on. And they they sort of started noting sleep cycles and REM sleep, but there was no real proof or way to prove at that time that the eye movements are doing anything too predictable. But then one research, uh, one, I guess, subject they woke up had very clear 18 left and right eye movements, sort of like very clear all the way from the left to the right, because they had electrodes on the eyes. And they said, what's that? And they woke the person up and he said, oh no, you were just ruined my... I, I didn't see, get to see the end of the game. What game? Oh, I was watching a ping pong match. <laughs> so interesting that, you know, it was anecdotal at that point, but it seems like the eye movements are actually following the dream action. And later that led to the, the experiment of trying to prove that they were conscious. So it's sort of interesting research with different parts of the brain and activating, deactivating. And even now there's some new research that shows, uh, I guess, some of the standard three or depending on how the, the four sleep stages may be separated up into dozens more states that are pretty specific. So there's lots of different variations in there, even like there is in waking life. We have like full consciousness, maybe like you and me talking, maybe a listener is, has their eyes closed right now and they're in a little different state. Maybe somebody mm -hmm. else is zoning out a little bit. And so <laughs> we'll see there's even variations in waking life, but in sleep, they're probably even deeper. So I have to ask this question real quick. Um, what, if any, is the relationship between lucid dreaming and astral projection? Is there any connection or how do you feel about astral projection? I would say, uh, and, and there's other phrases that probably fit well into your question, like out of body experience. <laughs> or a physicist might say non-local consciousness, or there's different language out there in their culture that sort of bridges astral. Uh, the bridge is different, slightly different, I think, classes of experience, but there's certainly some strong overlaps. Some people will say uh, they're not the same thing at all. Some people will say they're exactly the same thing. My experience after teaching many, many thousands and speaking to actually hundreds of millions of people, is that there's quite a bit of overlap, but everybody uses the different words uh, a little differently. So that's important to note. So one person's astral projection might not be the same as the next person's, or some person's out-of-body experience might not be the same as you know, mine, or somebody's, somebody's lucid dream might have not really been conscious that it was a dream, but they, it was just a clear dream. So people use the words a little differently. 
but let's just say that there's a good strong overlap. Most of the experience are subtle, in other words, not through the physical senses. I say most because there's even a few variations that do strongly include more physical sensory kind of stuff. But most are subtle. Uh, most of the ones we're talking now are either in deep states of meditation or actual sleep. Usually lucid dream is, most people use it to refer to sleeping states, although you can certainly be lucid in a little daydream. You can certainly be lucid in what uh, one of my students that I teach online calls a D-dream. Uh, you can be lucid in sort of a quiet meditative state. Some artists who are in a deep creative state, but still more or less awake, actually start to experience scenery moving and guiding and controlling. So. There are levels and variations and probably there's like even like dozens of states in there but let's just say something where and this is my general definition our waking awareness kind of the part that's probably listening for most of the listeners now or the part of me that's speaking it joins us in a usually a deeper or a more subtle state uh, how does that play out let's say example lucid dream uh, let's say our memory and our will join us during a sleeping dream so how does that play out? Well, if we have our memory, we might have had an experiment like, hey, I want to fly when I'm in my dream, uh, which is usually a wonderful experience for most people. And then if our, our will is there, we can actually choose that. So sometimes we sort of remember the experiment, but get distracted because our will wasn't there. Or sometimes we have the will, but we don't remember. And then other variations. But let's say generally our waking awareness joins us in the dream state. And that's usually uh, my most global definition of lucid dreaming. Some lucid dreams, certainly more astral projections and out-of-body experiences, seem to have overlap with physical sensory data or at least some connection with real-world objects and places and events and people that can be proven later in physical life. Uh, you can, might call it clairvoyance, telepathy, remote viewing. There's lots of phrases out there. But things where you can, let's say, find out something, like one of my students, he went to visit another of the students, because I lead teleclasses, and quite intentionally, in a lucid dream, he realized he was dreaming, and then flew over to San Francisco. He uh, noticed the street sign names, uh, very specific, recorded that, was speaking to an older Japanese gentleman, and, and then came to the, somehow new in the dream, I guess, came to the apartment of the other person in the dream class, saw the number on the door, knocked, uh, and his hand went right through, so I guess he just went, sort of flew through the door in, and he saw the other student, they talked a bit, he noted some very specific things, he noted that the, the gentleman that he had uh, sort of met in the street maybe a minute or so before, uh, in the dream of course, uh, was on a picture on the wall, so that was kind of interesting, and then he sort of proceeded to kind of wander around a little bit and check a few things and take some notes almost like a first-person subjective scientist. That's what I like to say. Exploring, getting some data and seeing, hey, is, this, is there any connection with waking life? Which is fun, you know. I find it kind of neat physics, but he was just kind of having fun. Uh, and he doesn't mind. He gave full permission to share the dream, and his name is Doug, a great dreamer. And uh, later verified, first sent all the info to me without speaking to anybody or the other student. He said, oh, here's the street name, here's the apartment number, here's the, what the gentleman looked like I saw, here's what the apartment setup was like. And at least four of the, uh, the facts that he had from the dream, you know, there were facts or actual data, let's say, uh, proved out to be the exact things, which I didn't even know because I don't know all my students' street names and such. Uh, I didn't know the apartment number, etc. But they proved out to be exactly true to the waking life. So 
we could start to hint anecdotally in this case, but later on other people proving more statistically that, wow, we can start to tune into actual physical world stuff in this altered dream state. So back to your question, was that an astral projection? Was it an out of body? Was it a lucid dream? I'm not so sure the terms matter much as long as we start to get the benefits and we start to get excited and we, and we quicken our inner skills. So I encourage people to use whatever terms feel best for you. Hope that wasn't too long a, a soliloquy. Not at all. Um, so what about sleepwalking? Is that someone trying to possibly act out what's happening in a dream or is that not related? Uh, well, it may or may not. We certainly don't want to. In most of these subtle or, let's say, experiences that are usually private, unless the per person's at the sleep lab, uh, we don't want to, almost always don't want to say that one size fits all every time. So with that caveat, I guess explained. Usually sleepwalking, bedwetting, some of the other uh, what's called parasomnias happen in a different state of sleep than most of our REM visual kind of storyline dreams. Uh, we do have lucid stage two and possibly deep sleep experiences. So not all lucid dreams are present, are present, full presence. It doesn't always happen during a visual storyline dream. But let's just say more often than not, certainly the large majority, I would say, of lucid dreams are in more REM sleep, first stage stage one sleep where there's active rapid eye movements going on. And then these parasomnias, uh, also uh, many of the listeners probably have experienced uh, sort of waking up in bed, paralyzed, sleep paralysis. You ever had that, Jay? I have not, but I'm a little different because I have terrible insomnia, so I have to take sleep meds. It gets me a good night's sleep. I still dream. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you need to dream, right? I mean, that's a, a need as a human being that, that we need dreams. Well, all mammals and now birds and fish and uh, even spiders, actually. A few weeks ago, there's a research on spiders. Uh, we, we won't get the dream report from our arachnid friend, but they do seem to have specific eye movement cycles without movement in their body, which is interesting. It's probably it's sort of likened to a a dream state. So a deep universal need across species, absolutely. Uh, just uh, to note one little research study, they uh, tried in the sleep lab letting people sleep normally in the deeper states, but just waking them up for the, the visual storyline, rapid eye movement portions. Uh, just always waking them during the REM, I guess, periods of their sleep. The dreaming, we might say, if we use that for the objective visual, uh, the more visual dreams, not objective. Uh, and they did start experiencing all kinds of hallucinations and, and more or less going crazy after, well, usually starting after about a week, at least a few nights of getting woken up during all these periods. So yes, a really deep, important need. Some of the, the parasomnias are really serious. Uh, the one I just mentioned before, sleep paralysis, isn't really too serious because our muscles are paralyzed, but it's mm -hmm. common and most uh, high school or Maybe college students will, will say, oh yeah, after I studied for that all-nighter, I had this really crazy sleep where I was frozen in bed, couldn't move, and I was wondering, was I dying? And there's very other variations, you know, there was an evil presence in the room, or these alien... Yeah, old hag syndrome is what hag. they used to call it. Right, right. Attacked by like a vicious demon or something. So those uh, experiences, and slight variations, but they're usually classed as sleep paralysis. 
By the way, just if anybody is still experiencing those a little more than, you know, just a really long all-nighter where you threw off your sleep cycle, or if you're taking meds or, you know, other, I guess, drugs, mm -hmm. uh, you, you just might want to know that actually sleep paralysis can be an incredible springboard for lucid dreaming. It's like a deep meditative state and your muscles are off. So maybe instead of the fear of, oh my God, am I dying? Uh, to kind of shift mental gears, if possible, set your intention before sleep to say, wow, this could be a really neat experience where I can enter into a conscious, deeper state, like a lucid dream. So try, try to turn it around a little bit. But then there's other more serious ones, you know, uh, narcolepsy, where people fall asleep in waking life, uh, and uh, night terrors, which I guess isn't really terribly serious physically, but it's terrifying for parents and little kids, usually children, who wake up screaming. And those are Absolutely. usually in deeper sleep states, not the visual dreams. And there's usually solutions, you know, make sure we have a really structured sleep schedule, try to avoid any strange foods, medications, drugs, etc., nearer to sleep if possible. And uh, one thing we mentioned just at the start, you and I, before uh, I guess starting up is be careful about the temperature in the room. Mm. Uh, that can sometimes, if it's overly warm, sometimes or overly cold i guess i haven't heard that as much but if it's overly warm i sometimes heard that uh, that can affect and trigger night terrors and things like that so just stay awake to that like hey why it only happens during the summer well that might be a hint there <laughs> just watch out for some of those things you can usually start to avoid and if it's very serious and continuing you know maybe go to a sleep lab some of these things can affect your your life later your waking life so it's good to take care of them absolutely so we got a question from a listener and you know it's been proven time and time again like you said that your body kind of shuts off to prevent you from acting out your dreams yeah. but this person wanted to know why dogs tend to run in their sleep <laughs> and i don't know if they're dreaming but I, i've seen my dogs do it too where they'll like woof a little bit and then their legs will start moving like they're trying to run away from something. What do we know about that? Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general. So why not share it? The objective of Movie Howl is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Howl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. I don't know if they're dreaming, but I, I've seen my dogs do it too, where they'll like woof a little bit and then their legs will start moving like they're trying to run away from something. What do we know about that? Yeah, and if you measured, uh, it probably hasn't happened so much, but if you measure their respiration or heart rate or something, mm -hmm. you probably see it elevated. Uh, well, their their pawns are, I guess, their equivalent of the the switch that turn the mental switch or the brain switch that turns off their muscles. Uh, probably in in the day that it happened, didn't go quite as far off. Uh, don't forget, for us as humans now, at least for I don't know, a few thousand years, let's say, 
we've had a pretty safe evolution-wise, uh, and I guess maybe even before that, because we would often sleep in caves, it was fairly safe evolution-wise to just fall asleep and be out cold. For animals, uh, perhaps the deeper animal brain is probably not quite as safe to be really out and awake close, so maybe sure. there's a little more uh, slight wakefulness there and all the muscles aren't turned off. Let's say all of a sudden there's an attack and they have to get up <laughs> running. Uh, but though their body is sort of acting out the dreams, much like ours, same same thing for Fido, cats, uh, different things uh, do that. There was an interesting, although a little bit macabre study with cats where they sort of severed the, the part of the brain where it was awake and they would actually be jumping around in, in this lab and Hobson, and I think uh, on the East Coast, sort of cut off part of the cat's brain. So it was fully asleep, but it was hopping around and going crazy in the lab. It was pretty severe. Uh, uh, but you can start to see, that's another hint that, yeah, they're kind of acting out those experiences that most of us are fortunate enough to sleep and not move through. Yeah, that's, that is macabre. That's a, uh, oh, I, I don't think I could do something like that to an, an animal, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. People do it, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, we do learn things from it. Yeah, so. I certainly don't condone it. No matter where you stand on the pandemic, it has been a crazy couple of years for everybody, and we're all trying to find ways to adjust and find ways to cope. Have you found in your research that this is kind of changed the way people dream or they're having different kinds of dreams like how's that affected their dreams yeah well like any big world event right it's certainly going to be incorporated into people's emotions and hence their dreams and their subtler experiences the very first thing i noticed that was quite widespread uh, was all kinds of emails and callers and things i guess uh, respondents to different interviews i do were saying that wow, I'm having the craziest dreams, like tons and tons. Uh, so an increased dream recall. Uh, my guess, although it's a bit hard to prove, but anecdotally I certainly checked and it seemed to be accurate, was that people just had more time to rest and sleep and not be as physically focused, at, I guess, at their work or school or whatever they do in their life. But the pandemic kind of had us all in a little more subjective inner state at home and maybe sleeping a bit more. And that naturally leads to more dream recall, and probably longer sleep too. So that was there, lots of dreams, and people say crazy dreams, and I just say usually probably more vivid and more available. And the language, I use that word, it's kind of an analogy, but the language of dreams isn't really like the language of waking life. So yeah, of course they sort of seem crazy to our waking principles and laws and physics. But in their own realm, in the realm of, I guess, the language of dreams or that state, it's actually, there's some interesting consistencies and fairly sort of repeatable and I guess understandable and accessible once we learn the language. So I encourage people, don't think they're just too crazy. If you're saying it because they're fun and exciting, that's no problem. But you can certainly start to befriend, usually that's a good verb, and then understand. And maybe also, like we mentioned earlier, a harvest. Hey, what are the benefits? How could some of these inner experiences start to, you know, improve my life, help others, uh, maybe even end up on the mass scale as like inventions or songs or writings or maybe a website or an app or a dance or something. So our inner experiences expressed outwardly, our dreams coming true, quite literally, can be one of the 
the best gifts I think anybody can give to the world are inner truth coming out. Uh, so that started happening in the pandemic, which I think was probably a helpful worldwide movement. People getting more connected with their subtle, their creative, their, I guess, some of their intuition. Then I uh, started noticing some of the, the common recurring themes because there are like a host of maybe a group of maybe half a dozen, depending how, how you know, smaller statistics, how smaller percentages you want to go to into a dozen, two dozen, actually pretty universal dreams. Uh, and one of the more common ones, not the most common, one of the more common ones is I'm kind of nude or naked or scantily dressed in public. <laughs> have you ever had that? Um, unfortunately, I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've had it. Uh, it's nothing too embarrassing. It's more symbolic in the language of dreams, we'd say. Uh, and we can sort of give what that one means uh, for, for people who've had it. But it's usually more like about one out of three people has had that or at least remembers having it. But in this case, during the pandemic, it switched to, oh my goodness, I'm outside without my mask on. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm caught in the crowd and not sure if I'm going to catch go. Uh, and sort of the, the mask ended up started going towards the anxiety of, of that dream. Mm. Uh, and so we have some of these themes where anxiety, feelings that we're not fully present with in waking life, you know, COVID uh, probably still, but certainly at the beginning was super stressful. So it's very natural that that stress uh, starts going into dreams. Uh, and people had more uh, upsetting dreams than a shift like that. But I'd say overall it was an interest that people started having clearer dreams, maybe more content. And uh, there seemed to be a bit of a surge into exploring and benefiting from dreams, what I call applied dreaming. And by the way, people can check out uh, some of that info and in the classes I offer at applieddreaming.com if, if they're interested. That's interesting. Um, I've personally, I, I guess it was kind of during the pandemic for me that I started uh, taking a little bit more interest in my dreams. I've kind of read, you know, similar work to what you seem to be doing. Um, I don't want to say that anybody's is quite like yours, you know, but sure. I, I started with intention, which you mentioned earlier to kind of remember my dreams. I went to bed with the intention that I would try to have some experience and remember it, or I would sit a, you know, a journal out with a pen or pencil. So I, if I wake up during the middle of it, I can scribble down what happened and try to remember it. And it's, it was an experience where I never needed to write anything down. It seemed to be that just the intention of wanting that to happen made me retain what I went through. Um, but I didn't have too many negative dreams or dreams that seem to point towards you know any any sort of underlying uh, fears or phobias or or you know a feeling of vulnerability like you were kind of talking about with dreaming of you know being naked or somehow exposed and vulnerable to like the pandemic um or but i'm wondering dreams or falling or mm -hmm. there's quite yeah, a common I'm, universal themes there and a lot of people take their dreams to be warnings about things that might happen or, or think that they might be a prophetic dream, you know, warning you of some eventuality that may come to be. I'm wondering if you have any experiences or stories of dreams like that that you could share with us. Maybe some of them are pandemic related or maybe just from everyday life, maybe dreaming, you know, don't go down this road on this day or anything like that. Sure. Well, just to comment on your intention, kind of uh, to give listeners a little tip while we're on the topic of dream recall. 
Yeah, just setting the intention is almost like planting a seed or not, right? If we don't have the intention, we might not really remember. Uh, and so it's not really hard planting a seed, the, the intention, in other words, but uh, it does sort of work naturally on its own, like a plant grows once we plant a seed. Uh, usually on the first night or within the first week or so, if we, we keep on a little bit. So I encourage people. And there's a few other things people can do to actually really help reel in dreams and have clearer recall and, and start to have lucid dreams. I'll just mention a couple of big ones. Uh, check out the AppliedDreaming.com website for a whole list of uh, dream recall tips. But some simple ones are just keep the physical senses really low when you wake up. Uh, since dreaming kind of comes in on a different channel than most of the physical senses, sometimes there's a little bit of overlap, but mostly it comes in on subjective senses or inner senses. Uh, if we keep the physical senses low, that'll really help our recall. You know, like on an audio mixer, if we have channel one as dream and maybe two, three, four, five, and six as the physical senses, just turn down or pull down, lower the volume on like the, the touch, the sight, the hearing, the, the taste, etc. What does that mean? Well, if we're lying in bed, try not to move when we wake up. Physically moving can really throw off our recall. Or if you moved, actually just go back to the same position you woke up. That can really help because the blood flow in the brain and there's sort of a body memory, not just our, our brain dreams, the whole body, you know, and probably more <laughs> deeper levels than that. Uh, but also if we opened our eyes, uh, then just close them because the visuals can really start to throw off our dream recall or Ideally, if you set the intention and you remember in time, just keep your eyes closed right when you wake up. And then uh, it's usually pretty easy to sort of go fishing and reel in a thought or a dream or a feeling or a sensation or two. And usually once we get a little, we hook a little bit of a dream, like a symbol or a character who is there or a feeling or maybe some music, then it's usually uh, somewhat easier to sit up and actually write down or speak into a voice recorder and recall most, most of the rest of the dream, like we're reeling in the rest of it. So I'll give some little hints there for people who want to open the door to dreamland. And I usually encourage, think of it like a relationship. Really, it actually is a relationship with our deeper self, our subconscious, maybe our inner wisdom, if you want to use that phrase. So it requires some showing up, a little bit of commitment, you know, if we invite somebody over and they come, then we treat them respectfully. We kind of record the dream in this case, or maybe we act on it. You know, if I dream of oranges, maybe that's a simple body level diet dream. I'll have some oranges or maybe vitamin C that day. Although I'd encourage the actual thing from the dream, so oranges. If it's a riskier or more unusual dream, you know, I wouldn't go eating, I don't know, butterflies or something if I dreamt a butterfly. <laughs> But just think of something, if it's easy and safe and not really risking relationship or not too expensive to act on, just try it anyways. Because we're showing that we're, we're trying to be a little more committed to bringing some of these inner gifts into our life to serve ourselves and others. And then when it gets a little riskier, expensive, we have to start to learn to contemplate, discriminate, uh, maybe interpret, understand the language a bit better to know yes or no and how do I act, etc. That takes a little more mastery, like any, any language or skill takes a little bit of mastery. But usually I say, not just what does the dream mean? That's a good, great question. But now I think what's really more needed in the world and probably more valuable to any person listening, what does the dream want? And the mm. different question actually will bring different things into your life. So meaning is usually just more intellectual level, maybe emotional a little bit, but usually mental. But what does it want? Could be mental, could be emotional. You know, we might heal a relationship. 
but usually it's more physical, like an actual action. Maybe I'll create the song I just dreamt of. Maybe I'll have the oranges. Maybe I will, you know,、uh, see this doctor if I dreamt of some weird thing going on inside my body that nobody has detected yet.、Uh, To, to kind of bridge or segue into your your question about precognitive dreams, there's been many many dreams、uh, anecdotally and even statistically proven now that are let's say related to to physical illness or、uh, things like that accidents also which sort of ends up as almost an illness or a problem with the body、uh, and we might call them premonitions precognitive tuning into the future. Non-local consciousness, if you count time as one of the dimensions of reality,、uh, the, the language doesn't really matter.、Uh, just the fact that there's something really valuable there, and you know, it does take usually a little bit of discrimination to recognize what's the made-up part, or maybe the misinterpreted, or maybe distorted part, and what's the actual event that I foresaw, or what's the guidance. So sometimes that takes a little bit more practice or mastery. But I can usually say、uh, most people get a pretty clear warning nightmare. That's something that's out of whack, and listen to it. Maybe it's just emotional, but maybe it's a physical warning. You know, if I dream, for example, the, the brakes failing on my car, as one of my students did. Okay, we can go symbolic. Maybe I'm not able to slow down in my life. I'm not making decisions. I'm going too fast. I'm working too much, or whatever sort of speeding. <laughs> But it might not be the worst idea just to check the physical brakes on our actual 3D car, just in case it was a little bit more of a you know, direct warning dream, which actually turned out to be true for that student,、uh, and maybe a life-saving dream in that case. So there's some pretty interesting examples.、Uh, we'll bridge into a little bit of one of my passions, if that's okay, Jay,、uh, sure. from popular、uh, dreamers, or at least well-known dreamers, anyways.、Mm-hmm. Uh, our good friend John Lennon. Deceased、uh, friend、uh, actually had two, or if you interpret one of them a little bit more as a, a, I guess, experienced interpreter, had three clear dreams about a year before、uh, that actually cl- fairly clearly hinted, or I would say,、uh, pretty much foretold his、uh, assassination, his murder,、uh, with very specific stuff. You know,、uh, a, a chubby stranger, which the, his assassin was. With a revolver, a specific type of gun, wearing glasses,、mm-hmm. spectacles, and outside the Dakota Hotel, which is where it happened and where John Lennon lived, some pretty specific stuff that he was actually John Lennon was actually pretty nervous about. But you know, busy life. A year later, he probably wasn't didn't have the dreams right at his, I guess, fingertips, and unfortunately, that event came true. So there's one example among actually many, many in my book, the dreams behind the music.、Uh, people who sometimes followed, sometimes didn't, sometimes sort of partly followed. Very important in some cases, even life and death guidance. And usually, I hope and I pray for most of the listeners here that our dreams won't start with that level of stuff. They usually start with smaller to sort of practice, help to get us used to the idea. Yeah, you can turn into the future. It's possible. You know. Kind of get our skepticism out of there,、uh, but then later, maybe the stakes go up a little bit, and we have to learn how to act to to help others in our life, or maybe save or protect our own life. At least our health is a pretty common one out there. Lots and lots of very interesting stories, and they're not all negative. Some of the dreamers, I would say, anybody who dreamt Grammy-winning awards、uh, actually had, you know, a premonition dream or a hint or a song that was sort of a precognitive dream that they had to act on, and it came true. And, Came to a really beautiful ending. They won a Grammy, so not all negative, but usually the negative ones are louder and 
they're usually pretty important to listen to also. Well, that makes sense. Um, I've never thankfully had a dream where, you know, I thought something terrible was going to happen to me either in the dream or in, you know, waking life. Um, so let's talk about the connection between shamans and musical dreams. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, that's a, even that word I start to use a little more loosely, maybe playfully also. I say, well, what about all the rock and roll shamans? And people who laugh a little bit. Sure. But really, it's kind of a, in, in some ways, it's a sort of proper use of that term. Because a more traditional shaman, you know, usually has to go through quite a bit of training because it's a tough role to start to really sort of say uh, very important choices and decisions or treatments for other people, the shaman. So they have to go through some inner training and they're usually called by dreams or by another shaman. Usually sort of have to get a vision or a calling dream that allows them to even start on that path. Uh, and which is somewhat true for many of our music artists. But most importantly and more universally, they take inside info, uh, depending on the shamanism type, but let's say inner guidance usually, sometimes a treatment for one of the tribes people. Sometimes in the case of the Tuvan shamans from, uh, I guess, Russia, Mongolia, around there, Siberia, they'll actually get melodies sometimes. And uh, their treatment, I'm using that in quotes, is to just sing the, the little melody or the song or the tones or sometimes sounds or body sounds uh, for their, I guess, person who came to see them, their client, we might call it, and to have them maybe sing that little melody for the next week or two as a very strange, subtle, maybe not immediate, but a subtle kind of healing that aligns them up in some kind of energetic way. That's a little more rare, but more popularly, uh, maybe it's something that uh, the shaman brings outside, inside, and then uh, brings from inside out to many people, like a herbal remedy, uh, which, you know, some of the native traditions and other traditions worldwide where the shamans have gotten plants or different remedies to, to really help their tribes people have actually served many people universally as herbal cures, right? So inside info coming out. Uh, a really great example in the, in the musical and the creative genre is uh, Joseph Shabalala. Have you heard of that name before, Jay? I have not, but I like it. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's got that kind of, uh, oh, I'll give a little hint here, an African tinge to it, Shabalala. And uh, his father was a very traditional sort of medicine, rituals, sort of fire, and I guess different mixes of plants, and a shaman. Uh, and he says, that's great. I'm also the, a shaman, but my medicine is sweet. Because uh, he would dream music. He would dream actually of a choir of young children between heaven and earth. And uh, he didn't really write music. He didn't really know harmonies or any of that. He didn't train physically in his life uh, in music. But he said for about six months, the, the choir of children came and taught him all these specific harmonies and parts and ways to sing certain. It's called Isikatamaya, the type of music that he did. Uh, it's sort of a special African uh, music. Uh, I'll give you a hint that you've pretty much everybody on the call has heard it before. But at the time, he started also dreaming some of the specialized little dances. And uh, he gathered together a few friends because there was more parts than just a one part, you know, dance or one part harmony. And he taught them uh, from exactly from the dreams, sort of downloaded, we might say, 
the specific harmony and melody and the dance and taught all the band's member who also didn't really know music or how to dance and after i guess a few months of practicing and getting the dream downloads and correcting and refining they had some pretty unique songs special dances that they started touring and and then they got picked up uh, or noticed by Paul Simon who actually brought them on his Graceland album i think right now they've been nominated for i think 13 by this count uh, by today's date 13 academy grammys that's awesome many other awards and they've won six so you can see some inside info coming out for many people and i use that as a little segue to say yeah that's kind of what many of the even more rock and roll or maybe classical shamans who were mm-hmm. musicians that channeled inside info pretty directly many times and, and brought it out to many people as their their music well let's say tonight i go to sleep i have a dream of this melody and i'm able to remember it recall it and play the notes on the piano or guitar or whatever where does that come from do you think wow. well there's a few points there that are of interest uh, hope you don't mind me i guess picking apart a little bit your question not at all uh, the first part is that actually uh, this is the most possibly the most shocking research uh, that i can share is actually research i did myself i was very surprised to see that uh on one week when i asked a student my students to hey you know what this was when i was writing my book the dreams behind the music uh let's see if you guys can dream music just by intention kind of falling asleep like you said uh sort of wondering if i'm going to dream music or maybe requesting a music uh you can sort of just have a little bit of a focus towards that channel let's say uh that six out of seven of the students on the first night actually dreamt music clearly and they hadn't dreamt for years and i think five out of six hadn't even dreamt ever music just one had but a few years before so something pretty shocking statistically wow like close to 100% and then the the seventh student actually about a week later did because she was very busy but uh, so seven out of seven and i thought wow that's that's pretty unusual like more or less music or maybe a soundtrack to the dream <laughs> is there for the asking crazy how come i didn't hear about this after like 15 20 years of dream research uh so uh, and then more and more anecdotes prove anybody who i've kind of mentioned that to said even like the proofreader said well i don't think that's really easy or possible i said well at least have an open mind and maybe just intend it before sleep and try it and see what happens don't be skeptical before you even try it and he said okay and and went to sleep sort of wishing for music and then he said wow i dreamt this whole melody first night and he said but i wanted like original music and i said well did you specify it with your request or your question before sleep kind of suggestion to yourself he said uh oh, well no i didn't really specify that but that's what i was hoping i said well maybe just uh, you know it's a little bit like kind of data in garbage in garbage out or specific question in maybe good data out i said why didn't you request original music and he did uh, the next night and got the exact and he was just proofreading the book so maybe his thoughts were resonating a little bit more with the material but then other people who hadn't even read the book seemed to have hmm. quite big success immediately so the very strange effect is and I encourage the listeners don't believe me here just try it with an open mind is just by requesting or maybe keeping a little awareness it might actually be quite simple and easy to dream music perhaps even original i will add that usually the different data or guidance or helpful inner gifts let's say inner things that we can harvest uh, will come to people who can apply or use them in their life so certainly everybody could have 
music or dreams or sometimes sound or special effects i've had special effects that aren't really music you know like reverb <laughs> strange things that aren't exactly music but usually they're available for anybody who asks but then long term it's going to be people who can use or apply those for example paul mccartney dreamt the the beatles probably with their two biggest hits yesterday and let it be but don't forget he's also a songwriter at the time uh, and he had an outlet for sharing some of those inner gifts with many people and he did act on them and shared those songs uh, they, they really changed the course of the beatles music that's a whole story but the idea being there that he expressed the inner gifts outwardly probably somebody like larry page who maybe many of the listeners don't know the name but is less likely to dream about music but he did dream of a special way to download the internet and get all the links where people are linking to each other and make a big database of those and then find out the most popular sites which became the seed dream the original dream that inspired uh, i think now a two trillion or one point something trillion dollar company that is google we know as google so larry page was the original ceo for and the ceo for many years and he had the dream that sparked the whole company so usually we get dreams that can use something we can apply and act on in our life like a doctor might or a counselor might dream for their clients or patients or maybe a radio host i've actually had radio hosts dream of the the best guests the most interesting guests so there's a little thought for you there jay <laughs> who could really make interesting shows or vice you know parents moms and, and dads often dream for their children which is kind of a no-brainer if you think about it so start to think okay that's great i could certainly dream of music and if I could start to have content of my dreams flow towards my intentions, you know, without controlling every dream every night, and that I agree to some level, a little commitment to the relationship that I'm asking for to, to act on the dream, you know, respectfully and probably safely in the, the beginnings, then uh, likely that friendship will start to grow, you know, from dating to going steady to maybe eventually engaged marriage etc who knows some really nice children might come from the dream as many of these artists who use their dreams regularly and i think billy joel might be a dating myself here a little bit one of the older musicians but he says actually every song i ever wrote every song is actually one that i dreamt before uh, and an extremely successful artist and, and many many others you know 25 plus Grammy winner stings every breath he takes and such. And I'm just using music examples right now. So these might really turn into uh, relationships that serve us and maybe other members of the community in very profound and helpful ways. So you mentioned, you know, some of these works coming from dreams and it's making me think of Nikola Tesla in particular, who I've read said that he was able to envision his inventions and kind of test and prototype and manipulate them in his mind. Uh, and some people think that yeah, the virtual form yeah, and people <laughs> think that may have been a form of synesthesia it was something he was doing when he was awake. And it's, you know, and synesthesia can manifest in a number of ways. Some people will see the number they're looking for in a particular color, or they have some sort of other sensory input when that's, happening i've even heard on other podcasts that uh certain people who experience synesthesia will see solutions to problems on what they describe as being like a, a little movie screen in their mind that if they just try to call it up it it sometimes works that way and i'm wondering if you've discovered any links or you know correlations between people who have that type of experience or the phenomenon itself with 
these uh, very productive dreams where people kind of are, you know, working out their their music or their material, you know, during their when they're when they're asleep, when they're dreaming it, or or whether that, you know, that dream is either them working it out or coming to them in some other way. Just just curious if you've looked into that connection. Yeah, well, there's a whole chapter in uh, my book, The Dreams Behind the Music. People can pick that up on Amazon. Uh, that talks about synesthesia. Uh, mostly when I've heard that word used, it means a bridging of sensory types. In other words, uh, I sort of said people who are able to quote-unquote see sound or music. Like Beyonce, she says, oh, the visual album. She titled her whole album because she says, I always see the colors or stories or shapes and then I know or she kind of hears or sort of, I guess, in some interesting way that words don't define too well. Has that translated into music? Uh, Mozart also was very visual. He said, I see, he used the word see, the entire composition there in front of me at one flash, you know, in one very intricate image. You know, and he realizes that I'm going to have to record this in parts later and it's going to all be sound and not visual. There's going to be a different musicians playing them. And when he even writes it, it's going to have to be more linearly than all together at once in parallel. But he says at the start, it's super beautiful to behold and I see it all together. And later he translates it. So those, uh, let's say, probably a little bit more uh, developed inner senses can certainly appear in dreams. They can appear in meditation states, sometimes in daydreams. Certainly creative artists who are more or less awake to, to a large degree can tap those states, uh, maybe not quite as clearly as others. But think about sleeping, or let's what we use more traditionally as the word dream, as probably a little stronger, more valuable, because all the physical senses are actually turned off, or mostly turned off. You know, our hearing's open a little bit and touch and stuff. But the eyes are closed fully and we're not moving, etc. Probably we're not eating or tasting or smelling too much. So our physical senses are very low. So it's likely that we can get that amazing and sometimes super valuable data from the inner senses. And when we have a focus, usually before sleep or in our waking life, on something specific, like a musical artist focused on music, or maybe an inventor, a Tesla, uh, or a Edison, Thomas Edison. Uh, who are both colleagues, by the way, there's some interesting stories there, but who focus on creating objects, they'll probably dream about ideas that they could turn into physical inventions or new products and things. Uh, Tesla, I think, you know, did a lot of the interesting voltage and experiments and later invented or I guess created AC current, which is a little interesting side story. He offered to sell to Edison, but Edison said, no, no, DC current's way the thing, it's never going to change. Uh, so Tesla went to Westinghouse and, and sold his ideas for AC current and his proof about it. And that later became what we all use in our homes now, AC alternating current. Uh, so a little more visionary there. But Edison was quite a dreamer and he actually encouraged employees and often himself would go into little catnaps or he actually used this special technique of two big metal balls that he'd hold in his hands. Uh, and he'd sit in a comfortable chair. or Sometimes he would sleep in his closet in his office. But sometimes sitting in his chair, he'd hold the metal balls, and right on that moment of falling asleep, the, you know, his muscles for his arms or forearms relaxed, and his hands dropped the balls, and that would wake him up. So he managed to stay, to some degree, more or less, on the edge of falling asleep. And he said many of his best ideas, the light bulb that flashes on, you know, the new idea for Edison, came then, including the movie projector, which is kind of like, you know, private dreams made public. So 
very interesting connection there symbolically the movie projector so certainly anybody focusing on something will usually dream in that realm and it doesn't have to be world shaking moms often dream for their children their daughters their sons maybe their family members some people have a little more opening let's say a little more practice perhaps uh, some people like to think from other lives or from a gene genetic lineage of family members who had that opening uh, and i have seen some trends there certainly sometimes the belief or the mental opening to to different inner senses uh, can be available and then it becomes a huge huge gift uh, i'll just mention the, some interesting ones here that sort of use some of these skills pharrell says he's able to sit in the, the music studio and sort of see beautiful colors and lights and uh, sort of, I guess, in we might call meditation, so not really fully awake. But right away, he's able to translate that into music. Uh, or pretty soon, he's in the studio, so that's a good place to start recording and trying out things. Uh, and so on. So there's some different ones. Do you have any type of synesthesia where you cross senses? I have a pretty unusual one. I can actually sort of hear touch, which uh, from what I study is actually a pretty rare one. But do you have any overlapping senses at all, Jay? It usually seems to be a gift. That's why I encourage it. I do not, unfortunately. I was just going to throw in, I think the only thing I have, and it's probably from playing cards so much with people in college, is uh, my mind will automatically tally up any noises I hear. If I hear like a tapping or a clicking sound or whatever, it's, it's completely subconscious, but I'll know how many times that's happened. Which comes in handy when somebody deals cards. Wow, I can, I'll just Im immediately know that they misdealt. You know, oh, you, you didn't give this person one, or if they're just sorting through the cards or whatever they're doing, it's like, oh, we're we're missing one. Poker night. <laughs> okay, very interesting. So let's say an That's why you keep uh, inviting me over for poker. Ah, uh, now the truth comes out. <laughs> Well, there's some strange syntheses out there. Some people are really good at sort of memorizing mathematics numbers. Other ones sort of see sound as writing. There's some pretty unusual ones when we get to the small percentages of people. We're talking like well under 0.1% of people. But uh, maybe, uh, Ryan, you have one of the pretty unique ones. You could, I mean, then right now you just kind of allow right. it what it is. But you might be able to develop it into something, uh, you know, Vegas, here we come kind of thing. And when people, when they get your book, when they take your courses, you walk people through this process, right? Like that's kind of, I guess the technique is to learn how to do this. Can, can anyone learn or is it a certain percentage of people? What, what have you found as far as being able to teach people how to lucid dream or just not even necessarily lucid dream but to kind of take things from their dreams and apply them yeah, I like in the way real you said life that at the end there applied dreaming is, is sort of the buzzword i use uh, lucid dreaming can enhance it but you can certainly have lots of the benefits and the applications and the application you know applied dreams without necessarily being conscious in the dream uh, it's a little bit more that people try for lucid dreaming sometimes just as like the experience, not necessarily to have all the, the benefits of applied dream. You can overlap both. They're not mutually exclusive. Hmm. I've seen that pretty much anybody can increase recall. 
I uh, don't think I've ever run into anybody who wasn't able to embrace recall, but there seems to be some people who have a little more of a knack or, let's say, open channel of inner senses. Uh, and I usually go for some, sort of different ways of explaining it to people why they might want to, because anything that's going to last or if it's a friendship that's going to turn into something valuable over time, there has to be a little bit of continued motivation. So we usually need to find something or some area of the person's life that can really benefit them quite directly in a, in a say, more immediate way. I sort of call it the time accountant. <laughs> you know, if it can pay off in my family or my health or my work uh, pretty soon and, you know, make me money, even if I can dream stock guidance or whatever, then, hey, I'm interested. Otherwise, uh, in a few weeks, I might be too busy or get distracted, which some people do, sadly. Sure. Uh, I think it's probably the most valuable relationship to develop because, don't forget, all the other relationships eventually leave when we walk through death's door. So uh, this is probably the most valuable that may even continue over lifetimes, if that's your belief, but certainly throughout the whole this whole lifetime. Uh, I would liken it to uh, that channel. It's the same channel as intuition. So I kind of let that sit for people. Oh, dreams is the same as intuition. Well, yeah, it's the same channel of info. Obviously, there's a few flavors or a few different, let's say, mix types of inner senses that come through that channel. Maybe sound, maybe touch, empathy, and some other things. But it's very directly related with something that could be very practical and valuable, like an inner voice that guides us in life, which we usually call hunches, intuition, gut feeling. Absolutely. It comes at night. If we've had a huge pizza at midnight, if we're taking some medications, if we went to sleep all freaked out by the horror movie we just finished watching before we put head to pillow, yeah, we might have distort. We might distort some <laughs> of the content and not get really clear voice or clear intuitive guidance. Uh, and then just start to notice what affects it in either direction, what distorts it and what really helps it come through clear. Almost like learning to you know, make our music clearer for an artist or if we're a painter, how to really get the best colors and not have smudges. It takes a little bit of learning to clean up the, the noise off the signal for you radio engineers here. <laughs> but then we start, uh, the relationship starts to be really fruitful, beneficial. And uh, that's what I actually call lucid living. So I made up a little phrase here that describes the, the more global version of what I like to teach. I like it. Uh, it means definitely exploring, befriending, having a relationship with dreams, maybe including our waking self, our mind, our emotions, our memory, our will, other faculties during dreams in real time, or other deeper states, maybe not even just dreams and deep state. There's yoga nidra and some very deep spiritual states that don't have so much to do with dreams. And then also to be a full lucid liver, I don't know if that's the best uh, marketing phrase there, but somebody who's using uh, like applied dreaming and waking life and start to be bringing their inner intuitions and their inner guidance, their inner info, the data out into life, that means that we're going to be fully living our most exalted being, start to really develop our talents and bring our gifts out to other people. So I think uh, Yoko Ono said, you know, a dream that we dream alone, it's really just a dream. A dream that we dream together is reality. And that does require, she didn't say the last part, but she, and that will require us acting on a dream somehow, somewhere. Maybe just telling somebody, maybe creating art, maybe changing our diet, maybe making an invention, maybe uh, speaking to our kids, maybe just changing our response or reaction. Many nightmares, recurring dreams come to help mm -hmm. us shift our reactions to things. 
you know, emotional skills, we might call it, sometimes trauma from the past that we need to heal. So especially if we've had really upsetting events, you know, war vets or car accidents or somebody very close to us had a traumatic dress or something that's going to require some healing, some trauma. But they're very practical things if we act on, spend time with, contemplate, that can really benefit us and others. That's starting to go into lucid living. People can check it out uh, at applieddreaming.com. That's uh, teleclasses. They're fun. They're together. It's usually small groups. Everybody feeds off each other, inspiring. I mean, I love them. It's just uh, the most alive way to share some of what I've been blessed with. But I don't really teach uh, or I don't really sell people fish to use an analogy from the Bible. I really like to mm -hmm. teach how to fish. So I'll guide people to understand or work with or become lucid in their dreams, not just tell them what they mean or that kind of thing. You know, on radio sometimes they say, hey, could you interpret my dream? And we'll do it for fun because there's usually a universal principle or two that we can get out there. But way more interesting is people learn how to fish and I tell them where to go to catch different types, whatever type of fish they're interested in lucid dreams or maybe health dreams or maybe client dreams if they're a psychotherapist or a healer a massage therapist or if they're an artist creative dreams etc and there's different flavors and there's certain places to fish or let's say learn how to dream in that way they can really help and benefit them and they seem to be very happy i have uh, i think uh, all uh, 4.9 stars out of 5 on, on the Amazon reviews. Uh, people really seem to like the, the book. That's one format. There's lots of free articles, just like this podcast, lots of free interviews I've done. I'm just glad to get the info out there. You know, there's lots of ripe fruits on the, the tree of the many gifts I've been given. So the more ways I can get it out, the better. But it's always nice when uh, I can benefit a little bit with the people's devotion and their commitment which sometimes translates as money so that i can keep going and keep sharing uh, and some of those uh, are when people want to go a little deeper private training teleclasses books uh, the music that i've created also because i'm a musical artist shared online maybe inspires them and uh, we will play your songs throughout i just don't have a way to play it where everyone can hear it right now but tell us about the inspirations that you've had in your dreams because i've listened to three of the songs i've listened to morpheon and then i've lis listened to uh the you said i can't remember the name but you had triplet notes that came into a dream and then i really like the recycling one that one's that one's called cool. <laughs> polymers uh-huh yeah yeah that's the title people can check it out on uh, i think itunes and amazon and most most of the music stores online there i think spotify even. uh so well we'll start with that one just to to show some interesting principles so I guess uh, it's a bit longer story than this, but I guess uh, the more abbreviated form is uh, the oil spill happened. Do you remember maybe probably about a decade or so ago now? Sure. There was this terrible oil spill off the, the East Coast there, uh, I don't know, like Florida mainly, but even larger. BP had a huge whale blow up or whatever it was. Uh, and I really had a strong wish to not just help stop the terrible oil spill, but also stop the thinking that might be behind it of, People not really questioning so much long-term what the effects of using artificial stuff and oil and burning and sort of like quick fixes for what might require like more thought out solutions. Uh, and one of the things was uh, plastics in our life, chemicals, cleaners, all these things that weren't serving maybe longer term the environment or our own health even, you know, we start to inhale the cleaner and it's not really 
noticeable then, but later on it is. We end up with different weird, weird diseases and stuff. Uh, so I had a wish to get some of that info out there, but not in a digestible, fun form. People don't like to be like talked at with statistics and warnings. And, uh, so sure. I had this inspiration for this song, all about fun song about plastics and I guess different chemicals and funny things in our life. And then uh, I had this powerful, and I actually recorded many little dream snippets. I sort of forgot about that sort of song or wish for a little while. And then uh, this, I have this powerful dream of these two ladies who came to me. And uh, they said, hey, we really want you to get the, that song out there more. As I'm telling it here, it's kind of obvious. But at the time, don't forget, I have like 500 little music sound bites on my, mm -hmm. my hard drive from different songs. And I, oh, oh, well, that's great. No problem. I'm glad to. Which one? And then I woke up before they told me. I was like, oh, no. That's way too many. I don't know which one they meant. But I did remember that their names were Polly and Muriel. <laughs> Somehow I knew that. So I said, oh, that's funny, polymer. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, okay, and started working on the song Polymers. And I really wished somehow that it could get out to many, many. Actually, I, I specifically thought of one radio show that was going to like 10 million listeners. Uh, and I said, okay, I somehow like to get it on there. I don't know how, because I don't know if I'll ever play it or even if I'll be on there again, because I had before. But one thing led to another that uh, I ended up uh, being able to meet from another dream and meet James Cameron because I followed a guidance dream. That the, the big director, you know, Titanic and I guess Avatar and The Abyss and, and Terminator, Schwarzenegger. I met James Cameron and uh, ended up inviting him on that big radio show for an interview. And he told the dreams, actually three dreams that inspired Avatar and, and Terminator. And then I said, well, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I didn't know this, but it turns out that he actually was probably pretty significantly responsible for ending the oil spill because he was quite skilled at underwater exploration. And he had teams of researchers and experts in like oil and underwater mm -hmm. vehicles and all kinds of things. And he got them all together at the EPA and said, we're not leaving the room until we have a solution to cap this oil spill. And I think it was about 20 days or, or something like that. <laughs> they really kept them there for a while. I mean, they let them drink and eat and sleep and stuff. But they just kept them and they all came up with a solution. A pretty intricate thing, not just like, you know, stick a plug in it kind of thing. And uh, they sent it to BP, who hadn't in, I think, months done anything much about it. And then a week or two later, they capped it the exact way. They called it something slightly different, but they did the exact pretty technical maneuver that they'd suggested and they stopped the spill. So. I thought that was interesting. I said, James, that's really strange because right at the start of this whole, I guess, experience of the oil spill, I had a wish to get this song out there more that was kind of behind the thinking that might even lead to an oil spill. You know, all the polymers and the different, I guess, let's say not so natural things in our environment like burning oil, etc. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. People can actually check out the song Polymers and I hope and you, you thought that was kind of neat. So it turned out that an intention led to a dream, led to a strange encounter, led to another dream meeting James Cameron, led to a, a, a mass event uh, that hopefully maybe gave a hint to many people what might be a useful way and a fun way, a fun song. But start rethinking some of the ways that we use some of these things. I don't know if I'm too much of an activist or uh, not uh, some kind of big good Samaritan. I just kind of created my art. Mm -hmm. But my hope is that maybe it serves in a larger, deeper way for for long term or future generations so that's the song behind the story behind the dream and the song of polymers they're very different they're you know the song about polymers is kind of folksy would, would that yeah. be fair 
the bluegrass folk something okay like that. sure and then um some of the other songs that i've heard are more uh just like energetic like they like when i listen i'm just like okay i'm ready to go punch the punching bag and, <laughs> like go for and yeah <laughs> Yeah, Morpheon was inspired, well, the initial thought came from, uh, I wanted to, I was invited or I had an option to submit uh, some music for the soundtrack of, uh, at the time, what was the, the Matrix 3, you know, <laughs> quite a few Matrixes ago. Uh, and so I thought, wow, I want to make something that's pretty punchy, you know, like you said, <laughs> it's got some real rock and roll and maybe distortion guitar and such behind it. Yeah. Uh, and then I started, and I didn't start, but I was having lots of these triplets. Uh, they, there was different ways, the actual sort of time triplets. So a musician knows what that means, but three notes in a bar uh, instead of four or two or, or one or eight, but sort of this interesting triplets, da, 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 instead of da, da. Oh, here, I'll, I'll sort of show a triplet just so people get it. So uh, this is a four beat. So da, 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 and then a triplet would be da, da, da. So da 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 da, and so an interesting timing, and then descending three note sequences, which I don't know if triplet is really the right word, probably just three note sequence, but like da 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 da, and you'll hear that in the in Morpheon, and I thought I wonder if there's like archetypes, sort of like more universal, at least personal, things that repeat and recur for me, which I noticed the triplets and the descending three note melodies did. And I wonder if other people have more universal. And I've heard some very top pop hit songs that actually have that exact descending triplet that I had. I think uh, I forget the song right there. It's all about the bass. You remember that one? I forget the artist there. She's a I do. Song. Yeah, that was very popular. Yeah, the bridge in there has uh, exact descent. Da 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 da. So descending triplets, which is interesting. So it seems to have an appeal. But you don't have to know all my kind of mental wanderings about it to know that there was some interesting music that came through. I applied it, and uh, then it seemed to reach an interest and inspire. And in your case, I guess, motivate a little bit more people. Other ones have, like you said, very different. I use mm -hmm. the word here as an analogy: flavors. Sure. Uh, during the pandemic, I actually got a grant from the Canada Council. Thanks, Canada Council for the arts uh, to make music to to actually record music from my dreams. Uh, and uh, I did record much, and uh, I turned it actually into a video. Uh, people can check out on YouTube. It's called uh, "Treasure in the Bottle" uh, on uh, my website, Lucid Living. I mean, uh, my YouTube channel, Lucid Living. "Treasure in a Bottle" is the 
one of the movies there, but you'll see that there's interesting visuals that also came from a dream technique that I dreamt of. How to put a bottle in front of this prism rainbow and make these super beautiful morphed rainbows, which I thought were really cool. And I just started photographing them, but the whole idea came from a dream and a treasure that somebody gave me in a dream. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I associated those with the music and made a video, and it reached, I think, many, many, actually millions of people at this point because it's been on the radio and stuff. So some of these idea inspirations can touch, at least, I think, quicken or inspire or motivate or maybe bring us fulfillment or fulfillment. And then, if we're lucky, or if we choose to, or if we focus in that direction, maybe serve other people too. So that's usually what comes behind the music.、And、each little like person, I guess, each little song and melody of mine has a, a unique story behind it. Well, they they're as diverse as dreams, right? Right, as as waking lives, as our、mm-hmm. different interests, as our wants.、Uh, did you listen to that one, Lucid? I can't remember if I listened to Lucid or not. I listened to Where I've Been in My Life. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> okay,、uh, and people say, "Well, that's a catchy phrase." I find myself singing it later. Well, that whole exact opening line, and it's repeated throughout the song and the chorus. Wherever I've been in my life, I've never felt as good as when I'm with you. You got to go deep on the on the bass voice there. But、uh, it came directly, exactly as as closely as I could remember it in a dream, and it shows an interesting principle. That's why I bring it up because I thought that's cool. I recorded it on my little voice recorder. A little friendly suggestion for any musicians: keep some kind of bedside. Or usually,、mm-hmm. uh, most smartphones now have an app. But at the time, I had a standalone voice recorder. In fact, I had one that、uh, started recording when there was. Uh, a loud enough sound, so it's sort of a volume triggered record. I don't know if you remember the old little tape decks to do that. I do.、Uh, which I got some snoring on there because I snored too. But I was able to just lie in bed, eyes closed, and actually sing the melodies. So that was kind of fun. And in this case, I got that line, but I didn't do much with it for probably a few months. And I was looking through an old old dreams and listening. So I thought, oh, that's kind of catchy. Maybe I'll. I started in my analogy here. Started dating instead of just meeting. That melody. So I started looking at some chords and thinking about some lyrics and what was the story behind it and such.、Uh, and then right away, which is interesting, after like three, four months of nothing more on that, I dreamt of the whole sound of the bridge with real distortion guitar and way more rock and roll than I originally thought. I thought it might be a folk song, you know. And the the sound shifted,、uh, which I later interpreted was probably a neat character development for me, a little more like L.A. Warrior.、Uh, Hardcore rock and roll strengths, different thing、mm-hmm. that I maybe hadn't developed so much, which I needed to for my life. But also, which changed the the sound of the song and kind of、uh, I guess guided me, you know, like a GPS. It tells us turn here, try this corner, or stop at this、uh, special thing. You know, it's like an inner GPS. I called the DPS that said no,、nope, the sound should be more like this, and I shifted the sound to what you hear now in the song Lucid, which I think is also on iTunes and some of those places. So it's kind of about lucid dreaming, and I, I sort of、uh, creatively stretched it to be about our inner self that meets our outer, active ego or waking consciousness, and in a fun kind of relationship way. All right, so I have one, well, not one last question, but one important question, and this is just for me.、Uh, I don't care what Ryan thinks.、Um, <laughs> when when I am, you know, lying in bed and I'm starting to get tired. Uh, like I said, I do take sleeping meds, so you know that's part of it. But I want to 
put on like either binaural beats or uh, sometimes I put on uh, YouTube like the beach or like rainfall. Is that something that would help hinder or not matter for lucid dreaming? Uh, well, or for dream recall or any of the other benefits, right? I think that's probably your more general yeah. question. Uh, it might help, and specifically for lucid dreaming, depends on the content a little more of what, what it was. But more generally speaking, let's say a soft or usually more relaxing sound of some sort, or binaural beats, which listeners may or may not know, like specifically intentioned music, left-right stereo frequencies of a specific nature that are actually intentioned to develop or to sort of trigger or enhance or induce even, depending how strong or how much, uh, a specific brain state. Uh, definitely. I think most people who use it know that and they've experienced it. Sometimes more subtle, sometimes not quite as stronger, and sometimes pretty clear and really strong. Uh, you know, you can actually include visuals. I don't know if you've ever tried light and sound machines, but uh, I have my newer inventions uh, can, uses both to really help induce different states. Sometimes just simple, like deeper, richer, more full, and more, I guess, restful sleep. Just, it's got its own benefits. It's not towards the dreaming necessarily, but it's definitely helpful in life, right? Other times towards more specific states, let's say more recall or more musical dreams, or just more peaceful minds, you know, emotions kind of quieted down. You're listening to the ocean, you have birds chirping, crickets, some of these sounds. There's apps out there that do it. Uh, that kind of change our emotional, let's say, momentum or emotional nature before we fall asleep. That's also very helpful. might be a little more subtle, but then the content of dreams and maybe uh, the, the feel, sometimes even the actual sort of like specific types of dreams can be affected by what we were dreaming about or what we were listening to beforehand. People sure. um, play like whole night recordings, you know. Uh, that's probably going to affect our level of sleep, so it may, depending on the whole nature of the person, how deep they sleep, what they're playing, how long it is, how often they do it, etc. It might actually limit their deeper sleep, might actually limit their dreams, it might enhance it, so it's, it gets a little more specific when we're looking at it. But generally I'd say it's beneficial, and you know, you know for your own that actually helps you sleep, so that's that's a given benefit. I would say the softer ones, or the more intentional ones like the, the beats that are on a specific uh, that have a specific intention behind them they can definitely help with recall and sometimes lucidity all right so you have a huge array of media available out there you've got books you've got songs you've got courses um is is there something available where you kind of i don't want to say like sing a lullaby or anything like that but where someone can just play something that you've created where you kind of talk them into sleep and continue to kind of influence them while they're sleeping or is that not something that's out there uh, sort of let's say a guided meditation or a, a fall asleep meditation mm -hmm. uh, i have a french one it's kind of an intention for lucid dreaming and, and let's say clear recall and benefiting dreams. I haven't because I, I actually speak multiple languages being from Quebec here in Canada uh, that I might translate uh, into English. There, there are a number of those out there. I do have an audio CD, although that's more like a talk. It's more just content. It's not like a 
state-inducing talk, but an ADOC all about dreams and dying that uh, really leads people uh, to hopefully believe the incredible value of dreams all around death. You know, 12 ways that it can benefit both the living and the dying uh, very significantly, including how to lengthen our own life, how to connect with people who are deceased, how to help people who are maybe on the edge of dying, how to find more peace with death, lots of different benefits there. Uh, so people can check out the audio CD, Dreams and Dying. Uh, and there's lots of different links. Usually a good portal is uh, craigweb.ca. That's web mm -hmm. with two Bs. And .ca, not .com, because it's based out of Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they go to applieddreaming.com, they can link through usually to that, or they can write me. And if they have a specific question, I'm glad to guide them. There's lots of free articles that I've uh, written online. Okay. You know, some of the common nightmares are out there. You can check out nightmares.info. That's a free website that I host and uh, wrote an article that many, many, many people have really given positive feedback about, really helped them with their nightmares. Some people turn them into lucid dreams, but other people have recurring dreams, you know, of maybe the dozen falling, flying, naked in public, car out of control, some really common stuff, or visitation dreams or sleep paralysis. Uh, some of the ways that those can turn into gifts are, are in that article too. Like nightmares, lucky you. Not lucky because you're having the nightmares, but lucky because it's like a smoke alarm or maybe like a, an oil light on our car. A warning that could be really valuable if we get it and we act on it and maybe save us sure. some serious trouble down the road. So nightmares lucky you at nightmares.info. Uh, and most of those things link through. So gregweb.ca, nightmares.info, the book Dreams Behind the Music, uh, or dreamsbehindthemusic.com is the actual website, or on Amazon. Or uh, if they really like to go deeper and do, I guess, uh, private training or, or group teleclasses, which are kind of fun, small teams, that's applieddreaming2ds.com. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Is there anything that you want to tell anyone, anything you want to get out there for a final thought? Well, yeah, I appreciate you offering that. One thing is actually uh, deep and very genuine heartfelt appreciation you know before i mentioned there's many ripe fruits of i guess inner revelations that have come to me and things that i want to get out there some of these ideas today some of the devices maybe the book i mentioned uh, so i need forums or there's different ways to get out there but one of the valuable ways is forums like this so a deep gratitude to you and your intention for your audience and to this show and to ryan and i guess to the listeners too for this opportunity to share some of these fruits that are really ripe and I guess with that in mind, uh, with a little bit of a friendly wink there, I'll say, hey, you know, I wish you uh, some really uh, sweet nightmares. <laughs> if you're lucky, lose it and turn it into something good. <laughs> nightmares don't bother me at all. I mean, I love horror movies. So if I'm, okay. Okay. you know, I, I can realize that what's happening isn't, you know, in my dream isn't real. Yes. I mean, lucid, you said, right? Yeah so okay great that feels great i'm glad that it can contribute to everybody and, and we had some fun today too some interesting stuff oh i learned a lot now i need to go back and we we actually did an episode on lucid dreaming yeah earlier uh kind of really at the beginning of this conversation you talked about external stimuli kind of incorporating themselves into your dream and that being a thing that you can use you know if you have the intention of when this happens when i hear this when i see this i'm going to take some action to to do a reality check yeah i have that happen all the time but i'm never able to stay in the dream i mean i've even had 
dreams where somebody's like tearing cloth, like tearing curtains or something like that. And I'm trying to figure out what it is. And eventually I realize I'm asleep. That is the sound of me snoring because I'm in a weird position. <laughs> need to be waked up. Or, you know, whatever else is happening. And I'm wondering if you have any advice on, uh, you know, what to do. Because really that does happen quite a bit. I'll realize, oh, I'm, I'm dreaming right now. And maybe I stay in the dream for a couple of seconds and then I'm then I'm back out. Like the the hammer drill there out on the streets. Oh, that's me snoring. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, if the sound or if let's say the trigger, the the actual stimulus. I mean, that's a scientific phrase. The audio or the so sometimes it's a sensation. You know, we fall asleep on our arm and we we're walking around in the dream with no arm or it's dead or <laughs> so it doesn't have to just be sound. Smell is actually a really good one. But if the stimulus is too strong, then uh, it might just trigger wakefulness. So snoring might not be your best one. But you could use something a little more intentional, you know. Uh, this is just one quick suggestion. Think of like making a two, uh, uh, usually about, let's say, uh, if you're going to sleep on a normal night, about a two hours and a half silence. You know, just record a little audio recording on your smartphone or, or on, on Zoom or, or this app or something. And then add in a quiet suggestion in the audio recording that's already two and a half hours of silence. Hey, you know, in this case, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, maybe you're dreaming right now. Time for a reality check. You know, and then it's not perfect because there's no exact monitoring of your sleep. But that's around the time when you're going to start to have a little bit more full-blown REM dream. And maybe the audio is at the right level. You know, don't put it too loud. You just start play before sleep, and then uh, during your dream, this little soft voice says, hey, you're dreaming. That could trigger. So adjusting the stimulus might help you a little bit. Or if you're a little more creative and you have some dedicated co-researcher or partner, you can say, hey, good, uh, you know, we're going to like play with this smell. Let's say, I don't know, chamomile tea or lavender oil or whatever you like, toast or coffee or whatever. Before sleep, you're going to really set your intention. Hey, next time I smell this. So you add a little bit of what I call a memory bomb or an intention with the smell. It seems to really help trigger wakefulness. So then you have your dedicated partner or your researcher, if it's a sleep technician, <laughs> you're very lucky. You know, they, they put the lavender oil over a little bit of a fan. And that same smell can trigger uh, the memory of your intention. You can just spontaneously go lucid. Or maybe you smell, uh, you see a whole bunch of flowers in the dream, go, oh my gosh, I wanted to remember that I was dreaming. You check your hands in the dream and the lavender flowers light up because yes, you're dreaming. So a little more chosen incorporation might help, like the dream right. mask that we had, you know, that was ch chosen light and sounds. But uh, probably the case of waking up, it's probably two things actually. One is too loud a stimulus. But also, let's say you did start to become a little bit conscious during the dream before waking up. Have an experiment planned. That's really important. It's one of my, uh, I guess, strongest lucid techniques I suggest to students. Have something in mind because our consciousness, our mind does get pretty excited. Oh my God, this is a dream. Are you kidding? It looks so real, uh, etc. I can fly. Are you kidding? So our excitement, we have to modulate the emotions a little bit. Otherwise, we wake up all excited, but then we lost the opportunity. If we have an experiment or something intentional planned, usually we can remember it. Oh, I wanted to go through the wall or I wanted to speak to a dream character. I wanted to ask a question to my deeper awareness, you know, to my dream weaver. Uh, then it actually focuses us and we don't wake up. So it could be one of those two things. Do either of those resonate for you? Yeah, I've, uh, I've used an app called Snore Lab before because I okay. realized that I snore in certain positions and 
Uh, it's pretty loud. So I can definitely buy that that's too loud <laughs> for stimulus. Yeah. Uh, but I've never thought of using, you know, pre-planning it. You know, going into a dream with the intention of recognizing this thing when it happens the way I've gone into a dream with the intention that I'm going to remember it and write it down afterwards. So a new subjective scientist is born. Yeah. Maybe you'll try a fun little technique like that recording or a friend who sort of does a little sound or yeah. And I'm going to head that off. Jay, Jay is not allowed to make me smell anything in my sleeper. And <laughs> just imagine that he's planning something right now. Rotten tomato, <laughs> rotten <laughs> eggs or something, right? <laughs> right. Okay, uh, and well, the, I, I hope that helps you, and maybe some of the listeners can try it too. The curiosity also, which is sort of subtle there, I didn't really name it, but now I'm naming it, that can actually really attract some of the interesting, some of the lucid dreams. Just kind of a curious, forward, playful, open-minded, beginner's mind. When we're really trying hard or we think, oh my gosh, I have to work at this, or some of those beliefs or, or strategies, that can limit it. So curious, playful, open-minded, but still focused on the topic. That can really be helpful too. I'm, I'm excited to try now. I'm remembering dreams that I had when I was a kid that were, uh, I would, I don't know, I guess I would call them a semi-lucid. Yeah. Commercial. It would just be, yeah, a dream that it's. I would recognize it like, oh, this is happening again. It didn't register that it's a dream. It's just, oh, this is a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah, nice. Well, kids don't necessarily separate, you know. Younger right. kids don't, they haven't learned the word dream yet, and they don't necessarily separate the experiences. Later on, the parent says, oh, that was just a dream. You weren't with your little friend, Johnny, because he was at school. Oh, okay. But the experiences are just as valid. So that's interesting you're having a recall now. You, you might find that uh, the doorway is even opening during our chat. So I'm excited to hear. Uh, maybe uh, you'll give me some feedback this week after you, after you have some cool dreams tonight or, or maybe soon. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully. All right. Well, that was a nice little psychology session. <laughs> Freebie for Ryan. Uh, <laughs> but all right. Well, that's all I got. Craig, we really appreciate it, man. We learned a lot tonight and hopefully we'll be able to put it to use and hopefully our listeners will check out all the stuff you have to offer because dreams are limitless so if you can learn how to lucid dream why wouldn't you yeah well you just have to have that motivation like i said if people find a payoff lucid dreaming is a little tougher i don't want to limit it by a belief because some people have it the first night they go oh my god you know why didn't nobody why didn't anybody tell me but more often than not after that first free product sample i sort of joke about uh, cool. people need to focus a bit more over usually weeks to maybe months so it's not quite as easy. Some people it's quite easy and they have it, but I'd say more often than not, people need to focus a bit. So the lucid dreaming. So then they need that motivation. What's gonna? Where's the payoff gonna come? Many people, unfortunately, in our sound bites, you know, attention span of a gnat kind of culture, people need some pretty immediate payoffs. So they, oh yeah, okay, I wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, we provided a few of those tonight, but there's tons more. By the way, uh, there's. I think we barely scratched the surface or not even the tip of the iceberg here. So if uh, in a future show you want to aim down a slightly different road or revisit different stories or different layers or aspects of what we already spoke about, there's so many other things, you know, lucid relationships we haven't touched upon, 
uh, biofeedback. We didn't really touch upon that. Other than the dream mask, I've designed many ways. We could uh, explore other shows uh, if that feels like it. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if we asked all the questions, or at least all the ones that are occurring to me, we'd probably not get off of here anytime soon. Okay, great. Well, I've enjoyed it. No, I, I truly have. So, uh, if uh, you send me a little update or feedback, or oh my gosh, uh, people were excited about the Facebook, or we had these lucid dreams, that always feeds me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was a lot of fun. Well, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds really good. Please like, subscribe, follow, etc., but most importantly, tell a friend. Don't forget to check out Movie Hal. You can find it everywhere you find Cryptique. And send us case suggestions to crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the loading bar if you're in our area and uh, have a few drinks. It'll help you sleep. Thanks for joining us tonight on Cryptique. Let us know what you guys thought about the episode tonight. And if you'd want us to go into more detail on something specific, send it in and have amazing dreams. Stay tuned for some samples of Craig's songs. flavor all of their own Yum.